Hello, and welcome to Best Sips Worldwide. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, an American travel writer living in London. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by the history of cocktails ever since. Through the years, I've been lucky enough to sip some of the best made by the best. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let me introduce you to the movers and shakers of the world's most famous watering holes. On today's program, I sit down with Andy Mills of the Cocktail Training Company, an award-winning London bar on the cutting edge of creativity. Andy began his career as a chef, working in some of the great London restaurants, though he found his calling when he moved from the back of the house to the front. He graciously sat down to talk me through this transition and how it lent itself to his award-winning cocktail making. We're here at the Cocktail Trading Company in Smithfield with Andy Mills, bartender extraordinaire. And um, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into bartending um, and your passion and how long ago <laughs> this started. And I know you started in, well, in um, so Covent Garden. So it's been Yes, I think tell. I started about sort of six, six and a half years ago. I wanted to be a chef originally, but was, at the time it was really difficult to get into kitchens. Um, so I tried like washing plates and stuff, but never really got into a kitchen, so eventually made the move to front of house, and then just fell in love with bartending, got put on the bar one day, happened to be naturally good at it, and then managed to sort of work what I wanted to do in the kitchen into the bar, and then the rest is history. Started off, uh, my first real bar job was um, at a little pub in Chelsea, um, and then from there I met a guy that owns a company called the London Cocktail Clubs, went to work with him, and then ran the company for a few years, and then started pretty much doing our own thing. At the London Cocktail Club, is that yeah. the ones that are, where are they? They're they've in, got one, um, uh, the original one was in Covent Garden, right. and they've got one in Goode Street. They've right, got, Goode Street, yeah, yeah I've been Circus, uh-huh. and uh, one in Shoreditch. They've uh-huh. really expanded over the last few years. And what made you want to go out on your own? Because you've been so successful, you've won tons of awards. Um, I think the main thing one is, is uh, not having to make other people's mistakes for them. So you see a lot of people, like I've worked for a lot of big bar companies as well, and everyone, they, they cut all the wrong corners, and it's just really frustrating when you put like so much time and effort into trying to grow a business, and then they'll just be cutting all corners here and corners there. I've worked for a few nightclubs, and that's always the way it works. So I went to business with myself and uh, my two business partners, uh, who are very supportive, and we basically decided to try not to make all the mistakes that we saw everyone else making. Are, are they started as bartenders as well? Or they... they did indeed, so we're all just bartenders. And were just... you all working together? Yeah, uh, not at the same time, but briefly. So uh, one of my partners, Ollie, we used to work at the cocktail clubs together. Hello. And another one of my partners, <laughs> um, Elliot, he used to work at, um, a, we opened a bar called Steam and Rye in the city. Yeah. And uh-huh. Like a big sort of restaurant, party bar, nightclub. And then um, from there, we just one day decided, yeah, let's just put all the money we could scrape together together and uh, rent a basement off someone. Uh-huh. And that's pretty much what happened. Now, when you were young, and you, do you feel like, because you wanted to be a chef or a cook when you were yeah. young, do you feel like you're bringing that to your drinks? You know, the idea of... Yeah, I think, um, I think there is definitely, once you've got a better understanding of food and how different flavors sort of map, map out, it's often a lot easier to get behind a bar and come up with drinks. Bartending as the actual tending side of it is a completely different set of skills. But most 
really good bartenders will be generally quite good in the kitchen and then most good chefs will generally be quite good behind the bar but it's all about multitasking and prioritizing uh-huh. but flavor wise and drinks wise where a lot of um, bartenders spend most of their time reading cocktail books i always was more fascinated with cooking books and pro- uh-huh. and chef books and old food books and so on and so forth so I've had a much better understanding of how, say, like sh- sugars work. So sugar work, which relates really well back to garnishing drinks. Um, how fruits and different sort of um, solidifiers, say like gelatin, can be used to create garnishes and create different textures in drinks. So as opposed to just going to your standard sort of, say, egg white to create a nice mouthfeel, we can use things like gelatin and agar in drinks to create better mouthfeels and so on and so forth. So those little things which often get overlooked in the bar trade. If you read enough cooking books, you can pick up on them. And then some of them you just need to tweak a little bit to sort of apply to the drinks. Do you think that was your kind of your idea going forward for your bars to make them different from say the London the cocktail yeah, company well, and that kind of thing? Our, I mean what was your were, kind of MO? For- um, we wanted to be main one was we wanted to be affordable. We didn't want to we hate how a lot of um, bars they penalize people for wanting to drink good quality products. So whether someone just wants a JD and Coke or they want a Glenfiddich 15 it doesn't really matter. I think everyone should be able to drink what they want to drink and not not be in some cases ripped off uh-huh. so that was the main thing so everything in the, our bars is priced the same so like all bat bar products would be nine pounds whether it's in a cocktail or straight uh-huh. um, the idea of that being that people just can drink what they want to drink without having to feel pressured into drinking something that they might not necessarily want to drink due to price um, which seems which works really well as well it means the bat bar products are actually moving uh-huh. as opposed to just sitting there for years gathering dust um, and then we wanted to be almost classic in design, almost like gentlemen's clubby, um, just like good music. Not we often start the day with a bit of jazz, but by the end of the night, we will have a little bit of a cheesy rock and roll playing. And <laughs> um, just generally, just wanted the drinks to be fun. If you want a serious drink, you can come down and get one. But for a lot of consumers and the guests that aren't necessarily. It's quite hard to judge when you're in the drinks trade because you spend all your time around people that just like drinking hardcore classic cocktails. But for a lot of consumers, they generally like having a bit of fun when they go for a drink. So we like all our drinks to just be a bit tongue-in-cheek and a Especially bit playful. Especially now. I mean, yeah. now it seems like there is such a cocktail renaissance. We're really riding the wave of it. Yes, yeah, You know, huge. I hope it doesn't end because yeah. I really, really love it. I think it's, there are, you know, so many cocktail bars opening up um, and each kind of having a different... Um, milieu like a different feel yeah. you know not anyone is really doing the same thing yeah no it's so good and like cocktail culture especially in England like if I get on the, tr- the underground in the morning to go to work um, I will hear a conversation about cocktails somewhere on the train every time I hear the word cocktails my ears perk up so I'm like oh be an eavesdrop a little bit and see what they're talking about see where they're going do you remember any of them um, not too many, not too many <laughs> normally had a few beers by the time I get home so my morning uh, memory slot is a little bit not so vivid but the ear the cocktail yeah, you know. they perk out. I can pick it out of the crowd. Um, but do you think your cl- customers are um, are uh, like daring when it comes to choosing things, um, or do you think some, they some some of them know? are? Because a lot of yours are quite funky. I mean, you're, yeah, you're quite, trying to, you know different things. Yes, yeah, so we we split our drinks mainly into sort of um, three categories. So we all ha- we always have a selection of very just easy uh-huh. drinks. So it's just if you want to say just. You go to a bar, you just want a daiquiri, you don't want any faffing about. That's what we would call just like a nice, easy drink. And then we have more fun drinks, which are also a lot of the time based around um, what will look good on Instagram. 
<laughs> so you always hear like chefs and restaurateurs moaning about people taking photos of their food for 15 minutes before they try it. It's nothing to moan about. It's the best bit of free PR a bar could ever have. So um, the internet and Please social media. Please don't go out with other bloggers because <laughs> yeah. literally it is. It is 10 minutes. You also say, okay, I'm starving. We have to <laughs> yeah. eat already or have to drink. I want a toast already. Yeah, so I totally understand. Yeah, the good thing with drinks is it's not it's not like food where you do have a very short uh, hot period before uh, it just starts to right. cool down massively. The drinks stay cold for quite some time. Uh-huh. You do sometimes wonder, and especially if it's say like a frappe drink over crushed ice, you see it there and you see someone taking photos of it and you know by the time they get to it, the first sip's just going to be a little bit diluted uh-huh. um, but yeah and apart from that it's, I think it's sort of the whole sort of so taking photos so you have the easy you have the fun and you said there's a third one and then the third one would just be a bit more sort of um, adventurous in flavour wise uh-huh. not always sort of sometimes they'll be outlandish and a bit ostentatious in the way they're presented but then sometimes they could just be um, just very simple serves but with more complicated uh, flavour com- combinations uh-huh. And um, it, we find with those sort of three categories, you manage to sort of appeal to a very broad audience. You've got the people that want to go down, they want to do something fun. Then you've got the people, the more foodies that they like, the more complicated flavours and they're a bit more daring with things. And then you've just got the people that just want to drink. Yeah. It seems yeah. to work quite well. Uh, yes, because I definitely like my martinis sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you're a gin martini drinker? No, I'm not a martini. I I like a dirty martini. I think that's a New Yorker in me. Yeah, definitely. Uh It kind of A little bit of sex in the city coming out. Yes, but you know, my boyfriend thinks it's perfume, that I'm drinking perfume. He he doesn't understand the whole thing. And he's... You just haven't educated him well enough. But I love trying the whole new things, you know. What... Is there something that people have really grasped onto lately? Like there's one ingredient that you thought, oh, this is never going to work, but I want to try it, and then people have loved? Or like a ginger, or I don't know. Um, Ginger's always been quite like a popular drink in the UK, or a popular flavor, even back. Oh, yeah, ginger beer. Yeah, yeah, ginger beer and ginger wine as well was like Uh a staple, my grandparents' like staple drink for a very long time, made here in London. Um, I would say... I guess maybe the, the, the awards you've won have they yeah. they've been for specific drinks or um, some of it, some of them have been sort of just basic well, cocktail talk me comp- some of the awards that you've won so uh, some of them so with cocktail competitions some of them will be for like a whole range of skills that will be judged and some will be just for presenting a drink um, so a lot of them have just been for single drinks so you turn up to a bar somewhere during the day and there'll be twenty bartenders and you'll present a drink it's often sponsored by a spirit so. There'll be you have to present, say, a Jack Daniels drink or a Woodford Reserve drink, uh-huh. and they'll cho- and then you have a load of judges, and they just choose the one which they think is the best. Uh, so won quite a few like that, and then done a few competitions where it's much more a broader set of skills that are judged. So they'd have, say, like a speed bartending round. So they'd have, say, a hundred bartenders from around the world. They all go next head to head to see who can be the fastest bartender, or, for example, like a food pairing round. Who can pair with food the best with cocktails? and so on and so forth, which um, a very famous competition called World Class, which is sponsored by Diageo. I did quite well in that a few years ago, won it for the UK. Uh, didn't do too well in the global final, didn't win, but it was still good. That's okay, you did, a, yeah. you did all right for the UK. I did okay for the yeah. UK. And so what was that, what was that judged on? Uh, so that was judged on literally everything. So everything. Um, uh-huh. blind tastings, food pairing, speed bartending, um, like mystery boxes, just giving you a load of ingredients and saying make drinks. And so then, it's kind of like a master chef, but exactly for, like master chef, yeah, just 
Just on drinks, yeah. Do you remember what the box was of ingredients? Ooh. Oh gosh, I know. I, I can't I'm making remember. it hard for you. I think you. I had like mustard and passion fruit and like some form of vinegar and some form of. Do you have of to stuff. use all of them or you get to um, select the more, what you The want? more you can use in one drink and still make it taste good, the more points you get. So obviously we just used all of them. And you just, bit, you mustard? Yeah, well mustard's great. If you think, really? think of mustard a bit like you would say of like ginger in a drink, you don't put enough in it to really get that mustard flavour, but if you put enough in it just to get a little bit of sort of piquancy from it, then you can have a like, little bit so of spice. Do you have anything with mustard on your menu now? Um, at the moment, no. We do have a one with like um, a chilli chutney. So we've got a chilli and tomato chutney which we uh, use in a drink, which works really well. Uh -huh. It's like chili tomato chutney, a bit of um, peach compote, some uh, so ginger. So when you use a chutney, say, or something yeah. that you would think of as, or I would think of as, kind of a um, like a food, like how do you get it to de get it into the drink? I guess it's kind of like um, when you see marmalade and stuff. Does yeah. it just? Um, oh, it, it depends what sort of thing. Does it dissolve? I um, mean, sometimes it will dissolve. It depends if you're getting it from, say, like a supermarket. They add a lot of other stuff in it to stop it dissolving. A lot of the time we will say turn it into a syrup, so just heat it up with sugar and then it will dissolve okay. and then it will stay in the state. That's a great idea. Sometimes you have to, if it's say like a jam, you have to add a thing to it called pectinase, which basically breaks down pectins in fruit products, uh -huh. which is a bit like fruit jelly. Uh, and once you've added that, added that to it, then you can mix it in with water or dissolve it into say a spirit uh -huh. or just turn it into a puree. Huh. And then it's a lot easier to mix into drinks. I guess these are the kind of things that you would have learned as a chef. Yeah, pretty much, know? yeah. Because, you know, you get, say, Heston Blumenthal's Fat Up Cookbook. There's no way, you know, he's telling yeah. you to bring out the Hoover and take out the, you know, well, I yeah. remember there was one cake to aerate a cake, you know, take out the Hoover. Yeah. And there's no way you could ever make that at home. And that's why it's fun to go to the restaurants. I yeah. mean, a lot of these, you, you would never have, you know, the fun that's coming out here to make it. Like, yeah. pretty much people could probably make a martini at home, you know. Really, you, you drop some gin and a little bit of vermouth, and you got it. Yeah. But the fun of coming to a cocktail bar like yours is to really, you know, yeah. well, get it, those things. You yeah, know, well, it's, just, it's just the things that bars can do so much easier. Uh -huh. Say, like cocktails at home, you're always limited. You don't want to go out and spend five thousand pounds on a back bar for your house unless you've got a really nice house and then it's uh -huh. worth it. <laughs> you've got your bartender then come in. <laughs> yeah, you. unless you've got a pool table, it's not really worth it. But um, at bars, we do have the ability to buy lots of stuff that's just not worth buying if you're at home. Uh -huh. So I think that's just the appeal of going to bars. I know, so what do you, what's the future for you guys? You've just um, you've opened here in Smithfield. So, so we've opened here in Smithfield. Um, we've got a second bar, or the original bar, which opened at the start of 2015 over in Carnaby Street. But we're actually moving that to a, a new long-term lease in um, Bethnal Green Road. So we'll be, that'll, Bethnal Green Road will sort of turn into like our flagship. So it's a nice, it's a long lease. We got it for best part of 30 years. And that, that's what we're going to turn into almost like a bar school as well. Uh -huh. So during the day, it'll operate as a bar school. With, uh, we're installing a whiskey still, so we're making our own spirits in-house and stuff. And it would generally just be a really nice bar. Then once that's up and running, we'll just uh, just see. Lots of other bars we want to do and lots of other concepts we'd like to bring to the table at some point. All right, and do you think the move from um, Carnaby Street, from Soho, is will change uh, during the way the drinks that people like? and? It will change a little bit. Um, not. Do you plan to do anything different? Oh, we'll, be, we'll be doing a new menu. Um, so we're doing a, at the moment. We've got 16 drinks in the menu, so we'll be upping that to uh, 25 or 24. Um, the drinks, because at the moment we're in tiny little basement bars, we don't have any preparation area. So the drinks that we can do are limited to what we can uh -huh. what can be prepared on the bar and then put away for service. 
So but at the new site in Bethnal Green Road, which is just pretty much on the corner of Brick Lane. Uh, so like right in the heart of Shoreditch. Yeah. We're building a big development kitchen in the basement. So there we can have lots of fancy equipment, which means that we can pretty much just do whatever we want to do. Do you think you'll end up ever going back to cooking? Um, I hope so. I'd, uh-huh. I'd love to go do a restaurant. I've worked in professional kitchens since I started bartending. Uh, funny enough, and worked with some really good chefs and um, doing the kitchen at the Bethnal Green site, just doing like simple tapas. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I'd love to get back in, back into a kitchen. What is your favourite kind of food? Ooh, oh, to yeah. make as, to, as a cook. To make, I love classic French cuisine. Ah. It's just um, it's just something about it. It's just I'm a part of my fem- family's French as well, so it's. Uh, it's a bit in my blood, but just the food's just, just gorgeous. Everything from soups to parfaits to, well, the uh, French equivalent of a Wellington, essentially. Is that the kind of food that you might be having if you uh, share food? And... Uh, not at the moment. Okay. Um, for us, food at, say, our Bethnal Green site where we're doing the food right. in-house. Uh, currently in Smithfields, we outsource the food to the restaurant above us. But um, we like our food to be a bit more British, okay. uh, a bit more sort of like pubby, nostalgic. So um, the food will be classic British pub, uh, just like snack would be like a pickled egg and crisps. You just drop a pickled egg into a bag of crisps and shake it. So we'll be doing like nice homemade bacon crisps and then like smoked pickled eggs and stuff. And um, just just a couple more things. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you have a favorite drink, Ooh. both to make and to drink. Yeah. I would say my favorite drink to make have to be mojitos. I love making mojitos. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's because I've made so many of them. Just you turn it into like a bit of a game. Um, but, and then my favourite drink to drink would have to be uh, just a whiskey sour. Yeah, just. It's funny. My grandfather used to drink those all the time. So I have, a, I don't know, a real fondness yeah, for a, the whiskey sour. Just a great drink. You've got all your major food uh-huh. groups in there. You've got some, you've got some protein. You've got some citrus. You've got a nice big help in the spirit. Well, as I told you before, my grandmother liked to drink scotch. Yeah. And so my grandmother would order the scotch, and my grandfather would order the whiskey sour. Yeah. And every single time, the bartender would always give him the scotch and her <laughs> yeah. the whiskey sour. That happens things, to me. But things have changed now. Yeah. A lot more men are drinking whiskey sour. That happens to me when I go out with my wife because I'm quite, I like I like a good cosmopolitan as well, uh-huh. I'm ashamed to say. And my missus loves drinking old fashions. So we'll go to a bar and we'll order Cosmo and an old and uh, old fashioned and I always get the old fashioned and Mrs. gets a Cosmo and I have to awkwardly just swap it around. I know it's funny it happens my, my boyfriend orders a Diet Coke I have the dirty <laughs> martini they're always bringing me the Diet Coke I'm like I don't drink Diet Coke but I do drink dirty uh, martinis. Yeah just liquid <laughs> stereotypes I suppose. I know exactly well listen thank you so much no, thanks for, for this down. and um, uh, I can't wait to try your drink. Yeah so, well let's, um, get, let's get some drinks. All right absolutely thanks. It was a pleasure to have Andy on the show with me today. If you're in London, make a pit stop to 68 Bethnal Green Road and order the Bee's Knees, or they're old-fashioned, one of the best I have ever had. No matter how original or traditional, you can't go wrong at the Cocktail Training Company. That's why they keep winning those awards. Next up is Benoit Provo, who helms the Stafford Hotel's American Bar in London. See you next time! For more information and links to everything you've heard about, plus a bit more, please visit bestbitsworldwide.com. Thanks for listening to Best Sips Worldwide, a spin-off of Best Bits Worldwide. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and never drink and drive. Okay, I said that last part. 
theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. You'll find me at the bar.